The gifts of the Spirit. Just exactly what are they? And which ones are yours? Let's find out next. From books to classes and conferences, we can find out just exactly what our spiritual gifts are if we'll do X, Y, and Z. Or you can simply go to God's Word and find out. Hi there. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We're continuing our series out of Romans, Living Sacrifice, Serving One Another. We're in chapter 12, verses 4 through 8 today, a message called, God Has Gifted You, But To Do What? Let's find out together, shall we? Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. God is now telling us, I not only justified you, and not only saved you, but I've not called you to waste the rest of your life like you did in sin. I've de- designed you for divine service that will be fruitful, will be divinely empowered, and it will be to the glory of God. And it will build up the body of Christ. What an exciting future as a child of God. Exciting future. I think of Howie Hendricks. Uh, Howie Hendricks uh, grew up in Philadelphia. And uh, he says he was led to Christ by a guy by the name of Walt. And Walt used to uh, work their block and invite kids to Sunday school. Walt was a, Sunday, a boys, third grade boys Sunday school teacher. And he was old-fashioned. He went out looking for his own students. That's how Moody, the first time Moody ever did teach the Bible, Moody uh, paid teachers to teach in Hell's Kitchen, Chicago. He was making money as a shoe salesman, as a businessman. He hired the teachers. One Sunday, the teachers didn't show up, and Moody was forced to teach the class. That's the first time he ever discovered that God could do something through him in the way of teaching. He always thought he would be just a financial man. And he spent the rest of his life preaching. And Walt came down. Hendricks said, they were all playing marbles. He said, I'll never forget it. We were all on our knees shooting marbles. Did any of you boys ever grow up with marbles? I'm not about losing your marbles. I mean shooting. Yeah, man, we did too. Uh, my brother David was terrific at it. And anybody ever spent a top? Did you ever play where you split the top? Oh, man. I know you grew up with an iPhone. Get out of here. And uh, he said, he walked, came along and he said, hey, boys, do you care if I uh, get in the game? What? We're third grade boys. We got a grown man wants to play marbles. He said, Walt won all the marbles. He said, I lost mine. But guess what? It, within weeks, Walt was filling his Sunday school class with marble playing boys from the streets of Philadelphia, and he led Howie Hendricks to Christ. Who knows where God is going to appoint you? But God has a design for the life of his children for meaning, for purpose. It's not just making money. That's kids' play if you don't know what to do with the money. What are you going to do with the money once you make it? If we gave you 10 million right now, what would you spend it on yourself? And all be burned up in rubbish? Will you have any impact on anybody? 
God says, I am forming the body of Christ and designing every member in it to have an impact in a divinely appointed way. All you got to do is, I'm available, Lord. I'm trying to discern your will. I'm not stuck on how great I am. You just got a willing servant here. Use me, Lord. And he says, I designed you for service. I'm going to do it through you. Now, let's look at a description of some spiritual gifts to see if you've got one. I'm not sure that we have the complete list of all the gifts in the Bible. We only have about 20 of them named. Uh, And uh, there's some things that uh, there's never a spiritual gift of music in the Bible. Uh, You usually have to take lessons. You, You usually have to practice. It's It's a talent, but I don't think a talent is necessarily a spiritual gift. It's interesting that's never mentioned as much as we love music. But that seems to be talents and other ways God has distributed abilities and bents. Uh, But those services that render a service to the body, let's start looking at them. Now, I'll be taking them from Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll allude to Ephesians 4. And I'm just dealing with those that are listed in the Bible. Um, Let's see here. Let's look right here. We have different gifts according to the grace, the divine enablement God has granted. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Now, the early church had prophets. Um, and what a remarkable thing. There's debate over how this word's used. Some translate it uh, preaching today. That uh, Many times you'll hear people say, I'm a prophet. And uh, if they're not, not too far off theologically, they'll say, I, I proclaim the word of God. And I understand what they mean. I, I understand prophet to be a technical term that says this. Uh, Preachers get their sermons from where? Where? Bible, hopefully. Some of them get it from midair. We don't know. When When they get through, you say, you didn't hear God, you heard them. I want to hear God when a man preaches. And the only way I can hear God is if he explains to me what God said. All the stories are free. But that doesn't necessarily mean you heard God. So I have to study to get a word to say to you. I'm studying a revealed word. Inscripturated, you can own a copy of it. But prophets, Old Testament and New Testament, received direct revelation from God, as I understand it. It was a direct word that they gave to the people that they couldn't understand otherwise. It was like they would penetrate mysteries or ignorance with a prophetic word from God. Now, the Corinthian church had prophets going on in the church, and he had to regulate the tongues and prophecy so there was order. But we take a prophet to be someone that received direct word from God with a word that was for God's people. Now, the prophets at 1 Corinthians 14, they had a specific word for that church in that context, right there. 
the 12 apostles and who were also prophets and other prophets, many of them gave a direct word for the church universal. And that was primarily the apostles. But these prophets, we see them seemingly passing off the scene once the New Testament church is launched and once we get a final word from God on how the church should function these past 2,000 years. We're not in need of more revelation. We're in need of illumination to understand what God said. See, our problem is understanding what was given, right? Uh, How many of you have wore out a Bible since you've been a Christian? Good. That's the way that we're, and and, uh, an old Pentecostal preacher friend of mine uh, you all know that's my roots. I mean, that's why some of them said yesterday, they said, wow, you've reverted. I said, these are my roots. These are my, this is how I grew up. I love these people. I love those folks that I met God with. I differ in some things, but so do Carolyn and I differ. But I'm still married. And we're still in the body of Christ. So when we offer a difference of opinion with different groups that love Christ. Just know that we're not trying to throw stones. I don't like to throw stones at other members of the body, but I'm told to be a teacher and tell you why uh, on different things. But uh, I I grew up with people could uh, prophesy all kinds of things in the name of God that God didn't say. And we did not obey the Old Testament and stone them. Because the Old Testament, you had to be 100% correct or you had the right to stone. Uh, So that prophecy was this direct revelation, but our assignment is to study the Word of God. And when you have the New Testament, uh, our problem is uh, people don't, don't study what's been prophesied. They don't study what the Spirit Himself moved upon men to write. So, we don't think that you have the gift of prophecy. We don't think there's any prophets, uh, Joseph Smith or otherwise. Uh, So, our revelation for the church, we've got 66 books of the Bible, and it's all that God wanted to reveal up to now. But according to the book of Joel, in the last days, and I think it starts in the trib, he'll start pouring out a fresh revelation through sons and daughters and old men and will begin to give us new revelation. And we'll get it. But I hope I'm not here. But if I am, I'll get it anyway. So we understand prophets were foundational to the church, as Ephesians said, launched us. Uh, let's look at, he gave the gift of uh, service. These were not all be in order. Uh, if God's given you the gift of uh, serving, uh, let him serve. That word is a broad term. We were looking at it yesterday with the deacons. It means to wait on tables. It means the most menial task. It covers all kinds of things. It is not specific in what kind of service you render. And did you know we have men around this church all week? We have some men uh, uh, cutting grass, uh, fixing this, doing that. Uh, that if we didn't have somebody to do it, we'd be paying someone 
it'd have to get done. All kinds of service. Our women, I mean, service, there are so many things to be done. Are the bathrooms clean? We'd hear about it if they weren't. Do you think angels keep our bathrooms clean? No, it's people. It's people. Uh, uh, you take out here uh, having coffee and donuts again. You know what? Uh, I was so mad when that went away. We finally got Gene and Gaylene. They, they're doing it again so you people don't look emaciated during the sermon. You, you can have a sugar high when I preach. Uh, it, it's all kinds of service. And, and if you've got that, you may not, it's not the name of, I only do one kind of service. I'm available to serve any way I can. But I must serve. I love to meet believers. I've got to serve or I'll die. And that's the great, I think, drawback of churches as they get larger. You can have a whole lot of spectators watching a few performers. And the worst thing about that is we have heart attacks and you get no reward. Because he's not going to reward you for doing nothing. You come to the judgment seat of Christ and say, oh, good, good. I designed you for service. And what do we have here? Oh, uh, let's see, we have so many hours of TV, so many hours of eating, so many hours of soaking in the tub, like whatever. So many hours, you have the best lawn in your neighborhood, right? Yeah, spend hours every weekend. Where did you serve? Serve? I serve my job, and I serve my wife, and I serve my lawn. Well, he's going to say, it's all wood, hay, and stubble. I don't want you dragging this around in heaven. And he's going to put a match to it and burn it up. Because when God saved you in grace, according to Ephesians 2.10, he said, I saved you on purpose and I designed you to do works that I planned for you from the foundation of the world. You, read it. you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works to the glory of God. You weren't saved by good works, but you were saved to do good works. And so many churches, God's people have become frozen, inactive, and you've got a few that serve and will get great rewards. And some, I don't know how you can do it for long. How can you sit on the sidelines in such perilous times? Why can't, that's why we have an enlistment ministry. We're trying to show you we have a pathway. It's right over here. And, and we have brothers and sisters that got job descriptions for 200 different things to do in this church. Do you want to serve? Don't say, there's no place to serve. You haven't inquired. Well, you, you ought to seek me out. I don't know your gift. And if you look miserable, I'm sure I'm not going to seek you out. Smile a while. Give your face a rest. Raise your hand to the one you love the best. See, I find out believers that don't even know about gifts, when their heart's right with God, they bust out serving somewhere. And they can't give you all the definitions. They just say, I've got to serve. Is that a part of your life? I've got to serve. Or are you always wanting to sit down? You know, my only regret is I keep having birthdays. I tell God I'd give you my life five times over. If you just roll back the clock and make me 40 and 30 again, I'll do everything I've been doing all over again. I love being in service for this God. It's the only thing that will last. 
Well, he gave the gift of helps, and that's in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. Just, we'll just set this up a little bit. A very common, uh, look where he winds up on the body here. Verse 27. Now you are the Christ. And each one of you, good, that means you have a part, right? You have a function. God's Word. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets. See, the foundation stones of the church, we need it revelation, we need authoritative Word, and He gave it through the apostles and through prophets. Okay? Third, He gave teachers then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others. Uh, there's the gift of helps, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues or languages. I think your Bible will put a footnote. It's the word language. Then he asks some questions. Are all apostles, how many apostles in the place? Don't raise your hand. But the question, doesn't it expect, not everybody, Everybody's not an apostle, are they? Are all prophets? You can say no. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But watch this. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now, that verse has troubled people, and that was the verse used to say, you ought to seek the best gift in this list. Seek to be an apostle if you're not one. But it's there. That's a you plural. You, church, when you come together, seek for the best gifts to be on display. Because they were seeking for the gift of tongues to always be on display, and it was putting prophecy as a minor contribution you, church, seek for the best gifts to be on display when you meet. It's not for you to individually seek it, since he's already determined it. Gift of helps. Uh, simply, the ability to help weak saints, uh, assist the needy, uh, a willingness to come alongside and render any kind of help possible. Uh, it, it's that simple. I, I just want to be a help of any kind. Uh, he mentions evangelists in Ephesians 4, and those are those who uh, are driven to share the good news at all times. Uh, they seek to equip the church to do the work of evangelism. I think we have the Billy Graham model, because he's been the outstanding evangelist of America, but the gift was designed to be a part of a church staff. Pastor teachers were to equip the saints, and so was the evangelist. He didn't have to be itinerary. He was to be equipping the saints. We've got an evangelism class going right now. Sean is teaching about 20 people, I think, in evangelism in a Sunday school class because we think it's appalling for believers not to know how to share their faith. What about you? Would you be willing to learn how to share your faith? No, I don't want to witness. Well, you'd be dysfunctional. You'd be disobedient. You wouldn't care if people perish. You wouldn't want that indictment. But I don't know how. We're offering you a vehicle. We just want to train you. 
train you. We can't make you witness, but we can give you the tools and give you, try to remove some of the fear and the intimidation. Uh, he gave the gift of teaching. Uh, Romans 12, 7, which I take to be a desire to know the word beyond the average, has a greater appetite for the word, and uh, the ability to explain it so the saints understand it and are edified. Um, you know, it's a tough assignment, and I got over oh, there. I'll, I'll stop because we'll come back to this. Uh, I'll just give this uh, illustration of it. Uh, if you're a Christian couple, you always dream of having devotions together. And the women love to say, I want him to take the lead. I've heard that many times. And the man is saying, I want her to follow. And they're, they're having wrecks at the intersection. I used to be bugged when I first got married that Carolyn didn't have the same appetite for the word that I did. Very early in our marriage, I was teaching at a Bible college. I taught 12 units daytime. I taught 12 units at night because students went day and night. And I was working on a master's with 14 units in San Francisco. So in a week, uh, I spent nearly 40 hours a week studying for papers, classes. I'm inundated in, in Bible studies. And so we would have these morning Bibles say, let's, Carolyn, where are you reading the Word? I, I just read Ephesians 1 today. Is that it? Where's your appetite for the Word? And then she would make a comment on a verse. Oh, no, that's not what the Greek says. I'm not Greek. If you want a Greek, marry one. By the way, your daughter's been changed today. I've fed her about eight times. Your clothes are clean. I didn't sign up to be a, the preacher. I'll be a wife to one. I don't claim the gift. So... For many years, we didn't even have devotions anymore because he said, you ruined them for me. Because you want to be the authoritative teacher and tell me what the verse means. And she would always say, I've been saved longer than you and the Holy Spirit teaches me anyway. I have a different drive, a different appetite for Scripture. I'll spend thousands of dollars on books and education because I've got an appetite to know what God said. And why do I want to learn it? So I could make the saints feel stupid? No, that the saints could be built up and educated. And I say this, you don't have to go to seminary if us guys that did use the gift to teach you. I'm here to teach you. I want you to know what the Word of God says. That's why I'm here. And if I make you feel stupid or less, it's not a gift, it's pride. Gifts build up. Pride puffs up. And so, I tell you right now, I want you to know, I love to preach, I love to exhort, but I want you to know what God says, because when you discover all the riches He's designed for your life, you're going to be fulfilled, you're going to have something at the judgment seat of Christ that will be precious metals, a stone that passes the fire. You will not have wasted your life. You will have spent it in service for the Master. Well, after spending the last few weeks here in the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 11, 
It's nice to get to chapter 12 and realize how we apply all of this theology the Apostle Paul is laying out for us, right? This is Truth For Today. You're listening to Pastor Phil Howard as we work our way through chapter 12 of Romans. Our series is called Living Sacrifice, Serving One Another. Now, speaking of serving one another, this radio broadcast really is a service provided by Truth For Today, but it's made available through your involvement directly. You see, this is a listener-supported ministry, and as you partner with us financially and prayerfully, basically what you're doing is you're serving one another. Not only do you serve us that we can continue the ministry here on KFAX, but it allows us to serve others with the gospel of Jesus Christ here on KFAX. So really, it is a marvelous way that we can serve one another as we link arms together to continue the ministry of Truth For Today. And as you do so, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once a year special gift, and access to Take a Break. It's the weekly video devotional featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. And again, that's for being a TFT sustainer. No gift is too small and no gift is too large. Consider that as you contact us. Again, you can reach us at valleybible.org and give securely online or call 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. A lot of other information, by the way, is found on our website, valleybible.org, who we are, what we believe, and ministry opportunities, and a chance to worship with us at Valley Bible Church, our service times, directions, and location. It's all there at valleybible.org, and we'd love to see you in person. If you do plan on visiting, let one of the ushers know you were invited by the radio broadcast. That would mean a great deal to us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.